within this program of 200 individuals, anyone that wanted to be part of it was invited and asked to share what kind of culture they would like to have. We workshopped it for a long time. It took about two or three months to just go through all the different aspects of what people wanted and felt were important to each and every one. But the result was that we had those three core values that we have at IKEA. They were broken down into what we referred to as the seven blocks. And those seven blocks, they were the programs, the 200 individuals, the 20 teams, the Agile Transformation Program, they were our cultural North Star for that particular environment and community. Welcome to Pyramid to Circle. This podcast is for the leaders and for the change makers who have the goal of evolving their company towards more collective intelligence, more empowerment, more self-organization, but asking themselves how to make this happen, where to start, and how to get inspiration from others. Welcome, everyone. Today, we are going to explore the story of the transformation of a large company, one of those that set an example and from which we can all learn from. Have you heard of IKEA, the Swedish number one supermarket chain? IKEA is a big player in Scandinavia with over 23,000 employees, 1,300 shops and about 12 billion euros of turnover. These are figures maybe have been updated. These are a couple of years ago. So it's very simple. If you go to Sweden, you will see an IKEA supermarket in every city, even the smallest one. And IKEA has undertaken a very large and deep so-called agile transformation that has become a benchmark and inspiration for many companies in Sweden and all over Europe. And that's quite interesting, right? How a company in the retail industry that is usually highly driven by short-term margins can become a recognized pioneer in the field of culture change. So let's discover this today. And for that, I have the pleasure to receive a guest who has been and still is at the core of ICAS transformation, Marvin Lilgren. Marvin, welcome. How are you and where are you as we speak? Thank you very much. I'm currently in my home office in Stockholm and I've been working a full day, but I'm really energized and hoping to be able to contribute with some of the insights that we've had at IKEA for the last four or five years. So you have the title of Head of User Experience and Design at IKEA. And Correct. over the last years, you had different roles at the core of IKEA's transformation. So you have seen every step of it. You define yourself as a digital evangelist with a tireless ambition and goal to constantly challenge dogma and status quo. I love that because I've heard you speaking a few times before. I, that's really a nice way to present you, I find. And in your job, you try to apply a servant leadership philosophy and you try to motivate and inspire people and organizations into new ways of working. You have the conviction that mindset and culture are essential for a successful transformation. You're a speaker in many events. And, and when you share about your expertise to other companies and, and when you present the ICAS experience. So it's really a pleasure to have you with us today. Maybe you want to say a few words to complete the introduction about yourself? Well, thank you. First of all, I'm honored to be part of this and privileged to be asked to share my insights and, and experiences with you, of course. How to complete that? That was actually quite thorough. You you went through the whole LinkedIn sort of definition of, I did. Uh, that I've 
prepared myself, but so you you managed to cover a lot of the bases. But to give you the short concept of it, I've been with Ika for over eight years, and I've actually had six different positions during those eight years. And a few of those have been regarding what I'm doing right now, the digital experience and the digital products that we have at Ika. But a large part of that time that I've been with Ika, I've also been working with our agile transformation and our ways of working transformation. And incorporated in that transformation, you also have the cultural aspects of a transformation, which is so important to to be careful with and to make a lot of effort to maintain energy and motivation to create the cultural transformation, because that's the secret sauce in the whole dish that we're trying to serve. That's where all the magic happens. The culture is what brings the real results in the end. Oh, excellent. I, I, I can't wait to hear you on this. Maybe for the people who don't know Ika, I said a few figures. I mean, it, it's a bit it's a bit dry to <laughs> speak like that, but maybe tell us right. what it represents in Sweden. It's really like almost part of the society, isn't it? Indeed, it is. I, first of all, Ika is a really old company. We've been around for 104 years. So compared to our competitors, we are by far the oldest, been there the longest. The company is actually quite special in the sense that Each and every store, we have 1,300 stores in Sweden. We cover more or less the entire Sweden. We're only operational in Sweden. We don't operate in, in Denmark or Norway or okay. uh, neighboring countries, which is quite normal for our competitors. We're focusing solely on Sweden. And the 1,300 stores that we have spread out throughout Sweden, they are all owned by the store owner. It's actually 1,300 companies that have conjoined into one large conglomerate together for a long time that has been the business model that we live by and therefore we've always had a high level of motivation from the staff in the stores to make it the best possible customer experience when you come in to buy your groceries for that particular evening or for the next week or regardless uh, your time frame or your time horizon you should feel that this is a really inspirational visit and event that you're going through when you come to our stores. And the recipe has proven itself. We are the market leader in Sweden right now. And you mentioned a figure of 12 billion, I think, euros. Uh, 12 billion that? euros of turnover. I think the figure is two years old. It might be old. It might be in a certain specific area because to my knowledge, our revenue for a full year is about 100 billion euros. So It's a well-established brand as well with a lot of positive connotations in terms of people feel strongly about our brand. I mean, more or less everyone in Sweden has, has at one point been personally affected and moved by our brand in some ways because there is one Ica store in every village or town. But also there are a lot of uh, marketing and sponsorships for different local teams. Since every store is its own and everyone's working The store owner is really a sort of a big fish in a small pond. Every village has an Ica owner. And that individual, woman or man, are always deeply committed to the community because they understand that that community are my customers. So therefore, they sponsor a lot of the hockey teams or the football teams, and they, they commit themselves to making the society or the streets around the stores more enjoyable or more safe or whatever might be the aspects that you want to improve in that community. So the brand itself is really strong in Sweden, which is something we, of course, are enormously proud of. 
Yeah, very different from the supermarket industry that we have, say, in Fr I live in Belgium uh, and, and I'm French, so I, I, I would say in Belgium or France, uh, I would know better those those markets. In As you say, indeed, because right. I, I maybe you don't know, but uh, my wife is Swedish and I, I, I spend three months, two months per year in Sweden, for, so so for many, many right. years. So so I know very well Ica, I'm a big fan of, and indeed it's very special and very different from from the, the supermarket, the way it's designed, the culture, the spirit in it. And the fact it's it's a, it's it's almost a community place. Like you go, uh, that's the only place open basically uh, in many places. That yeah. is open this uh, is very weekend and yeah, late at night and and so on. So maybe what is interesting for the audience now we kind of set the scene. Could you just uh, so we understand? Tell us a few elements that how they were before and how they are now. Before we go into the transformation itself, how you did it. Like if you're like a couple of things like this, this is how it was like five years ago, and this is totally turned into something new now, and something right. and something that is meaningful for the customers, for the business, of course. Kind of a before and after. It would speak about the transformation, so we we cannot can follow you. Right, of course. Ica, as I mentioned earlier, is uh, over a hundred years old, so therefore you have a lot of legacy or a lot of methods and processes that are deeply engorged in the company. Everyone feels committed to a certain way of doing something. And it has been like that for quite some time. I've been with Ica for eight years, but long before I started with Ica, that's how you did it. So you had all these 45 positions on how to solve issues at Ica for a very long time. And that was beautiful and fine. It has taken us to this position where we're actually the market leader and, and we have, I, I spoke for a long time about the brand and everything. We've been successful, but if we didn't do anything about ourselves, we'd still be successful, but for a market that no longer exists because the market has turned around on us and started to move in other directions than we were used to. So we need to change our way of looking at the world around us, be more adaptable to the wor world around us and, and to make sure that we stay on top of the wave all the way through this transformation. And it's basically never going to end. That's the new central stage for us now to be in constant transformation. So therefore, we had to make some changes on the way we were working, like, like properly way of working, just that but also the organization itself. We had a, a sort of a project organized setup before uh, we started our transformation. We uh, had project leaders and we had individuals with the expertise that were taking into projects at times and they were given a certain task and they performed that task and then delivered. And that's the only thing they took responsibility for. We went from that project organization to a more product team organization now. And the major changes that happens there is that you, you stop having that isolated responsibility that you used to have as a project participant to becoming a product team member where you, you, you assume the responsibility from start to finish. And the finish is continuous. So it's basically from start to forever. You also change how we plan our work. Before at ICA, we had a one-year horizon for all our planning and we sat down before each calendar year should start and we sat down and we calculated 85 90 different action points that needed to be delivered on and then they were distributed throughout the company so everyone sat down and started 
working on their five points that they needed to do uh, or work on for the next 12 months. That, of course, is very methodical. It's engineerial correct to do that. But then if something were to happen during that time period of 12 months, we'd have no chance of adapting ourselves to that or changing the course because we had to deliver those action points that we committed to at the beginning of the year. So we've shortened the planning horizons to uh, four months instead of a full year. So every four months, every tertial, we have a new plan that we're looking at and we're changing the plan. Before we set each tertial plan, we take some time and look into what's happening right now. What changes do we need to take into account? And just to give you a few examples on how that has played out well for us, when the pandemic hit in uh, March 2020, we had been operational with this new way of planning for just six or seven months. We were going into our uh, third tertial when this happened. And overnight, basically, we had the, the opportunity with our new method to change our priorities, change our team deliveries. Instead of doing it for a full year, we're now, we were now changing Within two, three weeks, uh, we changed basically directions. I don't know if this was a case in France, but in Sweden at least, and in some other countries, I knew that all over the, the grocery stores, they ran out of toilet paper for some reason because people were stocking up. And this happened, of course, for us as well. It was the same thing in Sweden. And thanks to this new way of working, thanks to the, our ability to now plan for shorter horizons and not commit to a longer time horizon, we were able to have 300 trucks with toilet paper driven up from Hungary to Sweden, delivering all this toilet paper that Sweden required in times of this pandemic. Uh, quite ridiculous, but it's it's a good example of what we were able to do thanks to this new way yeah, of planning. When you say the, the market has turned around, we were kind of successful, but in the old world, are you referring to the digitalization of the business itself or, or okay, now the COVID and has been a... The, the, the game changer and as uh, was unexpected, but like, what is the reason in the first place for initiating such a change? The first indication of for us that this was something that we needed to take seriously was not a pandemic or a war somewhere in, in our proximity, but actually disruptive players in our market. So you'd have a company that starts from nothing a startup and they they start selling groceries in a small community but they do it in such a way that that community turns from always coming to Ica or one of the regular competitors to now basically 80% is moving into this uh, this wow. disruptor that's that's appearing so of course for us to be able to adapt to that disruptor's behavior we needed to not only understand what they were doing and find remedies for that, but also perhaps predict what they were doing by using hypotheses and experiments, find our way to become the disruptor ourselves. And sometimes disrupting ourselves, but, but also uh, making sure that we stay ahead of our competitors. So that was the first indication that this wow. was really something we needed to be focusing on. Excellent. Okay. Allowing so, ourselves. But that, that requires a very high level of mental adaptation and yeah, anticipation from the top, from the leadership. Many, many businesses, right. I mean, are being disrupted, but they are, because they are so big, 
they tend to think that things will not change for them or they are safe or or that it's so complicated to change that they don't really see how to change it's like it's like you had at the in some people there uh, were lucid and able to be mentally agile to shift things around because over a hundred years you, you don't right. change so fast when things have really been in place so long first of all you're right the most common situation i think when a large player regardless of what kind of market you're in when a large player is is disrupted by someone else is that they think we're too big to fail and kodak being the best example of that of course so i'm being perfectly honest here we were in no way the first one to do this in sweden or our community there were a lot of companies that had understood the value of agile ways of working or lean product ways of working and so on so there were uh, there were a lot of inspiration to be found in our proximity people that we could talk to or companies that we could meet up with and be inspired by and which we did of course and then also there were a lot of uh, players within the company that felt that we were slow and procrastinating and decisions took too long to by the time we got the decision we had already passed the point of no return for some specific that we wanted to adjust to. So there was always a feeling that we were, as an organization, were too slow. So there were pockets within the company that had already started to do this, but without any form of standardization or or formalizing anything, they were just doing it. And first, those pockets, they became sort of an inspiration for others. And it started to spread within the company, but it wasn't that wasn't how the decision was made. The decision to change the company's entire direction was made from the top level because they realized that they saw what was happening outside of the company and they okay. were inspired by other companies, but also they saw that people within the company had the energy and the, the interest to change this. So they gave a few individuals within the company the opportunity and also the responsibility to see if there were... Uh, some explorations to be made here. Can we find a new way of working for us? And uh, luckily, I was I was chosen to be part of the cultural aspects of that transformation. And and one thing led to another. And and then in the end, the conclusions from those experiments were that this is something that we need to do. So that our process was actually quite slow to reach the state where Eek as an entire company makes the decision. Let's change the entire company and which we did back in 2019. Okay, so so that's interesting. The uh, I think the first time I, I, we met and I heard you, you were experimenting. And and because you've been incrementally going to, uh, starting at a, at a more of the local, I would say local, but in a project or in, the, in some areas of the company. And then then when you proved working, then you expanded to the next level and learn from the from learn from experience. So could you, that's, I think that's a very interesting strategy. Can you share about that, the, this incremental? Right. Progressive transformation. Sure. The small pockets I mentioned, they were basically, it could be a team working with uh, our app, for instance, the application that we have on iOS and Android devices. That team felt that they needed to have a more adaptable way of working. So they started to look into agile ways of working and they were inspired by uh, other companies where this has had, had happened and so on. We were basically drinking movies about how Spotify had changed their ways of working and we were t- getting a lot of inspiration from such examples. That's just one, but there were about 10 of these pockets of agile cowgirls and cowboys that were 
under no supervision at all, just felt like this was something they needed to do uh, to be able to move quicker uh, and to to have a quicker release plan and so on. Because that inspired some leaders within the company. And one of those leaders was given the task to see the machinery for our loyalty program within Sweden was technically nearing a life cycle end. So it needed to change the entire technical platform for a loyalty program. And that is, of course, a huge investment. And uh, if you if you change that from one to one, basically just giving it the same capabilities that you had beforehand, that's one thing. But we also felt that once, if we're going to do this, we need to add some new capabilities that we don't have today that we want to have in the future. So we needed to have a platform that was more adaptable and also, therefore, a way of working that's more adaptable. So the what had happened in those small pockets with the cowgirls and cowboys, we needed to apply that onto a bigger scene. And so they airlifted or basically lifted 200 individuals out of the organization, constructed about 20-odd teams, and they were then organized into a agile program, which I was given the responsibility for the head of culture for that particular program, those 200 individuals. And I think this is about... This is about the time that you and I first met when you came to yes. Stockholm to visit us. 2018, right. yeah. Yeah, then I, we had actually been going for two years then. So we had a lot of uh, mistakes and insights that we were ready to share with people within the company, but also with other companies as well. So that's how we met back then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, also I remember that um, when you started to create this agile program, so learning from wanted to scale, there's the first experiment in the app team. So... By the way, it makes sense that the, the most uh, digital teams are the first way it starts because because that's more native. And I understand they look at Spotify because they they, they yeah they are they are kind. I mean they are they are kind of in the same kind right. of business. Uh, but now when you start to get out of the digital business itself and then more and more other other functions, uh, when it, as it is the case there, you had this program. And I remember that you say that you started working on the culture before you you went into the how, defining really the features of the culture. So you had, I remember you had like corporate cultures, values, but right. you worked on those values. You didn't change the company values, but you kind of more described with more, uh, you kind of engage people and a group of people to to dig into those and to, to kind of reframe what they mean for the future of the company. And that was like a, the way you started, right? Correct. Uh, before this program started and for a long time, ICA had uh, three core values that were our sort of a North Star. That's where we're going for at all points, at all different stages. And those were commitment, entrepreneurship, and simplicity. Those should be our three core values. And everyone should, if they ever feel lost or, or need guidance in somehow, somehow, then they should look at these core values and feel that they can get some guidance, or at least uh, if they meet, need to make a decision between A and B, choose the one that mostly corresponds with those three core values. However, we felt that when we were going to apply this new way of working, those three core values didn't really correspond. They weren't practical enough for us to make anything tangible, anything workable with in our everyday life. So we felt that we needed to, to sit down with Anyone that felt that they wanted to be part of it were invited uh, within this program of 200 individuals. Anyone that wanted to be part of it was invited and asked to share what kind of culture they would like to have. 
we workshopped it for a long time. It took about two or three months to just go through all the different aspects of what people wanted and felt were important to each and every one. But the result was that we had those three core values that we have at IKEA. They were broken down into what we referred to as the seven blocks. And those seven blocks, they were the programs, the 200 individuals, the 20 teams, the Agile Transformation Program, they were our cultural North Star for that particular environment and community. The one thing that we made a real strong effort not to lose sight of was the relationship between those seven blocks and those three core values. So we made sure that each block had a strong relationship with one of the three core values. That way, we made sure that if someone somewhere else within the company felt that they didn't understand what we were doing, or they felt that this was off track from how they wanted to solve an issue which we had to work together to solve, then we could always rely on those three core values. We could always backtrack our priorities, our way of making decisions to the three cores. So it was really important to maintain that connection because if we hadn't done that, we'd end up in a situation where we're doing something over here. And the second we need help from someone else in the organization, it might be a severed relationship with them. So we we weren't able to to, uh, get the help that we needed. I think it's very so beautiful the way really- you have uh, integrated the history. It's a future, but it's a future that integrates the legacy and the past and the things that we have been. So it's it's a continuation of who we are. It's not just a new us. It's not, not a new Ikea. It's, it's us evolving. And uh, I think it's very beautiful. It's very special. I, it's the only company I've seen doing this. Uh, usually it's like people reframe and change their values or they or they keep the old and add new and it becomes a bit messy. And I love that the way you've worked with the, like on the integrity of the of the organization, not, you know, messing it up at the same time, making it maybe more sophisticated, more complete, but still the same. And so the people who've been there for a long time, they can still recognize themselves in the culture. And it's a way to say, hey, we're not threatening everything. We are just, let's build this together. You, I love also the way you've been working on this by inviting and spending the time. You spent a couple of, some months on it, not just a, one seminar, but it, right. took, it took a while to include a lot of people. So you kind of created a, a, a little movement within the company. Of course, it's a very large company, but but still you you have included people. So so it's not just the, this team of external consultants or or, or internal consultants right. who did uh, the whole, uh, tr- you know, putting everything upside down and no one follows. No, you you spend the time to work on that. I also like to, if we just model the experience of ICA for our audience. So first experiment where people have, when there is the most maybe opportunities with people interested, and it makes sense and on, on, on a small scale. And then before you scale it, uh, and let's see what you, you will explain us what you have scaled. But working on the culture, involving people and asking ourselves, what is the culture that we need? And then adding on what who we have been so far and not destroying where we, who we are, but adding on and enriching it. These are the first steps of the change, I, if I follow correctly. And and then you came up with... Um, like a, a, this agile program, so based on those on the seven core principles, and then there is a, there's a, there is content there because it's touching different aspects. I remember you going to talk about governance, uh, strategy, ways of working, uh, and, and and leadership. If I if I'm not mistaken, so okay, the culture is now is done. The blocks are in place. What is the program? How does it? What is, was it touching? And how people engage in it? 
what happened was that the things that we did within this program where we did where we constructed the seven blocks and and realized that working with the culture is actually more important than setting the exact type of ceremonies or or tools that each and every one in every team should be operating by instead working on the culture and agreeing on what type of culture we have and then let each and every one design their own solution within that program that was the marketing machinery program that we did that became a source of inspiration for other departments within the company not necessarily working with digital transformation or technical aspects which is the usual type of individuals and teams that are prone to using agile ways of working so for instance a marketing department uh, our marketing department at ika decided that they were going to do this and they decided that they were going to turn the marketing department into an agile marketing department we sat down because we worked up so much experience and ideas on how to do this so we sat down together and helped them design that solution and i was even given a position within the marketing department with the intention of bringing the head of culture experiences into the marketing department because by then the program that i had been head of culture for had sort of reached a plateau in terms of the cultural aspects they were going and they didn't need to develop that very much further they could just fine tune it but it was perfectly fine to just continue on that platform so i i was moved personally moved to the marketing department but before we and we started to design how that should be done but before we even got off the ground with that transformation for the agile marketing department uh, it was decided that hold on a second let's do this at the entire company let's do the entire company into an agile ways of working company and therefore it was we had completed about 60% of our planning for the marketing department when we got this information and then we were asked all right let's take that work that we have done now and see how we can apply that to the entire company so uh, the people working for the marketing department making sure that they could have a successful agile transformation were then instead given the task of designing it for the whole company including myself so that led to a setup that we started working on which are related to the the the, the four pieces of the puzzle that you referred to the behavior leadership the the governance and planning the organizational changes and the the new competences that we needed within the company and also the fourth one being of course our agile way of working so the, those were the four pieces of the uh, the model that we lean on for the entire company's agile transformation okay so if i reformulate just to follow you and make sure and it's also to uh, help our audience so first experimentation at small scales then uh, uh, work on the culture uh, as we said before and right. then uh, like a, a culture program that was deployed where every team was presented with this new or culture and they could discuss what it means for them and maybe make it themselves their own translate it into their own context so there was a, there was like a this this was a program that you have been running right so that that took a, a couple of years or for for because it takes a time there was 26000 employees right so that's 2600 teams or something that's that's a lot of teams because you've put there like maybe a first layer created some initial steps of change through this program before going into the ways of working, right? Just can you, can you say a few words about this program? How many people have been touched by it? And, and how long did it take like for a team? How did it look like to receive this program? 
You mean from the team's perspective? From, to, team perspective, to sort of... from a team perspective, I understand this culture implementation program. Right. Well, if we're looking at the Agile program that I talked about earlier, then from the team perspective, first of all, they were asked if they wanted to participate in us developing a cultural package for us. So they were tasked with the job of, of producing the product that they were working with, but they were also asked to change their way of working. But they were also asked to participate in my responsibilities, which regarded the, the cultural transformation. So, so they dedicated some time out of their everyday life into sitting down with the team and discussing on how they, like you mentioned before. So that was the first encounter they had with the cultural aspect. Then it became a part of their everyday life. It was part of, uh, it had visual representation on all the different boards that they were using uh, in the office areas. Uh, they had people reminding them of all these cultural aspects, the seven blocks, the how we want to conduct ourselves together and so on. So from the team perspective, they were part of developing it. They were part of communicating it to each other at all times. And they ended up also being monitored in the sense that we were following trajectories and how they moved on these different aspects. So each block basically represented a metric that we were following, engaging to make sure that we had a successful uh, movement in terms of how we adapted this culture. Is it for any team, sales team, I don't know, uh, product team, supply chain, whatever, what was putting this in place, I, I guess it, what, what, how big was the commitment? Because that's a lot of changes at the same time. You need to uh, discuss the culture, maybe put in place some new ways of working. You were talking about different new tools, maybe new new management methods. All this is a, is a kind of a big engagement. And well, in your field of business, you will go on the short term and there's always a, a lot of pressure, I guess. So I'm, I'm just curious how you, oh, you made this happen. And how much available were these people to invest right. uh, time and, and energy in, in change? Right. Well, first of all, there's a huge difference from when we did the program, because then you had the 200 individuals and the, and the 20 teams, and they were committed. They wanted to do this, and they were all in favor of this transformation. When we decided to do it in the, on the entire company, there was a lot of pushback from individuals okay. or, or departments that felt that they all right, fair enough, you go Agile, but we don't really feel that this is applicable on our business. We need to work in this way and so on. So when we when we learned that, we realized that we need to make a more adaptable uh, model for how we are going to change into this. We need to sort of, I don't want to use the word manipulate, but we need to make sure that even though a, a, a department or a team or an individual feels strongly that they shouldn't do this transformation, we need to find a way to give them an incentive to, to feel that they are changing into what they feel is something else, but it is, in fact, the agile transformation that they're doing. So in a way, that is a manipulation, but it, we did it with such respect and we were so careful with people's objections so that we felt that we never really violated anyone. We, instead, we were, we were giving them incentives and motivation to make changes. And, and a really funny thing that uh, we noticed was that early on when we started the big transformation for the entire company, early on we saw a lot of a few really strong opposers to this. They felt that they shouldn't do this. 
And once you had those individuals turn, because you could turn them, you had by by being part of kickstart training, by being part of coaching, they, they, they were giving the coach and the coach was working with them in a really sort of collaborational manner. When those people were turned, they started to become the strongest advocators for it. So if you, if you find people that are really outspoken in their objection or their favorability to whatever change you're doing, those people would probably be as strong advocators for the positive transformation as well, because that's just in their nature. They are strong advocators. So, yeah. so yeah, and it brings a lot of credibility also to the to the program. Because uh, right. people knew that they were against it, and now they are supporting it. So of course, it's uh, it creates yeah right. credibility. So there is this program with these two hundred people, this first group that goes, and then after there is a deployment. When you start to deploy, what kind of resources do you use? Because you need, as you say, coaching and training. It means people internally dedicated to doing this, I guess. Or or did you have like a, a team of internal coaches and trainers, or was it like a big investment of the company? Because I imagine it takes like not just a couple of people. It's a, not a little army, but a, a good group here of, of internal coaches. Yeah, right? yeah. No, no, no. Of course. The first initial wave of transformation that we did was the, the main office, the satellites that are closely connected to the main office, that works closely with the main office. And that's about 2,000 individuals. And all these 2,000 individuals had to go through a training package to the two-day seminar where they were practically experiencing the benefits of working in yeah. this fashion. But also we had a team of wow coaches, ways of working co coaches, basically agile coaches. But since we had departments that were really cautious with taking on the agile stamp onto their organization, we had to make uh, room for other ways of working as well. So lean, for instance, or traditional, or even disruptive for those that were really experimental. We, we had to sort of create a spread. We couldn't have one solution for the entire company. We needed to have the spread so that we could adapt the solution to each department. And the people making those adaptations and, and transforming each and coaching each and everyone were these 15 wild coaches. Initially, we were 15. Uh, gradually, as we started to work through the uh, large parts of the company, because a lot of those 15 were consultants. But gradually, we moved that to become somewhere around six or eight employed coaches permanently yeah. on okay. staff. It makes sense. All right. All right. I like the idea that you have uh, this kind of a roof, which is like maybe the blocks and, and uh, intention. And then there are different methods that are that can be experimented and based on the needs and based on also what people want and experiment and you leave it space for that. You didn't have a dogma about this is the method you should, this is the way you should do it. I'll give yeah. you an example of, of how we adapted stuff throughout the different phases. When we were in this agile program, the 200 individuals and the 20 teams, we had the seven blocks. I mentioned them earlier. We didn't just take those seven blocks and said, all right, fair enough. Uh, apply these seven blocks to the entire company and have them be the cultural guidance for us going forward. But instead, we did the same work that we did within the program. We did with the entire company. Of course, not all 2,000 individuals were invited, but then we had to pick people within the organization into a project where we designed the, the cultural package for that transformation. And the result from that was not the seven blocks, but five behavioral changes which we refer to as our chosen behaviors and they were like put the stores in the center i.e the customer 
collaborate, prioritize from strategy and value, and make sure to distribute the mandate to where the information is and test and learn. For the big transformation for the entire company, then we had another set of values because the seven blocks that we had before, they were specific for that job that we had for those 200 individuals, those 20 teams. But okay. now we okay. needed another gotcha. set of values. And okay. the, again, those five chosen behaviors all related to the three core values again. Okay. So okay. the three core values becomes our Esperanto, our way of communicating between different fractures okay. within the company. I see. You basically redid the work of what kind of culture do we want? You just put it differently. What are the behavior or principles we want to apply? It was part of the deployment program to have people asking right. this. And then you they came up with the five, you say five behaviors. Okay, so that's that's right. very interesting. But that's a way to not to not to bring the conversation of a higher level, cultural right. level, not just how I do things, but who we are. It's often a question right. in agile, like it's not about doing agile, but being agile, right? It's a sense of being in the right. sense of what kind of behavior, what kind of how do we want to show up when it comes to in front of a challenge or how do we show up to each other as a team? How we show up with regards to, to work and time and planning? The, the being is essential. Uh, if it's just on the level of the doing, the methods, often we get lost there. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, we had a goal for our transformation, which was catered to uh, the, the method of going there is working with the culture, it's working with the methods, it's working with the organization, working with the planning and so on. But the goal for this was to have that natural agile mindset in the end. The way we define it was that the first thing that comes to mind when you're talking about agile ways of working for most people, particularly those that possibly haven't worked in an agile setting themselves, the first thing they think about is, well, they probably have a lot of post-its up on a whiteboard and they're moving those in a sort of certain fashion and they're standing up for some reason at every meeting and it's about 50 minutes long and so on. So the the one thing that comes to mind is always the practical stuff of the, the agile methods. The true success comes when you start to having the cultural transformation mm. of those practical applications. So once you start having those standing up for 50 minutes, going through what you're supposed to be doing that day and doing it regularly instead of having bi-weekly meeting for three hours where you plan the next three weeks and then you say goodbye to your friends and you don't meet them for another 13 days. Instead of doing that, you have those short meetings. What happens then is that people start to uh, communicate with each other in a completely different manner. You stop sending emails to each other. You start having chats. You prefer to walk over to your coworker and talk to them rather than setting up a meeting. Everything becomes more informal. And the benefit from that is that people start to cooperate. Before Mm. that, I'm not doing that because my responsibility is over here. I'm doing this particular thing. I'm not being part of that over there. But if those people needed my help, they had to come to me and sort of apply for my attention. With the Agile methods, all the practical stuff that we're doing, the posters that we're moving and the meetings that we have and the ceremonies and everything, we connect to each other in a different way. So now we, we can actually talk to each other more fluently. That's the result of those practical applications, but it's not the practical applications that are the essence of what we're trying to achieve. It's the fluency between our in our communication. So basically what we're saying is that an agile transformation is never the methods and the tools that you're using or the ceremonies that you're performing. It's the result of the cultural transformation. 
that's when you're starting to be successful. Mm. I mean, a really silly example on something that you didn't really expect to have such an impact, but something that's completely transformed and made us made us able to become agile is Teams, Microsoft Teams. Before we had Skype and Outlook, and, and basically that's just sending a fax or a letter to someone if you're sending an email. Now you're having continuous discussions virtually or, or uh, digitally between individuals in a way that you normally had with your friends on how to, what time are we meeting up in the restaurant and, and, and uh, what will you be wearing? And, and uh, all right, is it going to be dinner or are we just going to do this? It's a social way of interacting with each other. Whereas before, when we wrote emails, we sat down, we composed the email, we read, read through it three times, made sure that we had all the different aspects of the email in and basically expected us to get a reply that replied to all the needs that I had. Now we're having a conversation with each other, although it's still digital. And that's a cultural transformation in itself. So Teams allowed us to become more agile because it mm. allowed us to be more, more uh, fluent in our communication. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. I I think thank you for insisting on this. I, I love it because very often we are drawn into the methods and uh, the question is what methods is, is working, but spending the time to build the culture first and having this as an intent, I think is a really a big message of your experience. You mentioned that very shortly, but I'm still curious to just give, could you lay out a bit what were the, you mentioned the different elements of governance. I think there were di different, different strategies, the different blocks of Right. The content. So uh, the content on the areas that we've been touching on, what in this program that has been spread in the in the company, what what is it in the, the way we designed it to be able to communicate to two thousand individuals that this is what we're will be doing was to we needed to divide it into chapters because otherwise it would chapters, have been too okay. much to yeah. yeah. I only use the word chapters just to show you that we divided them into separate areas. Yeah. But we had we we made a model that looks like a puzzle. It consists of four pieces. It actually consists of five pieces, but it's four puzzle pieces that are conjoined to with each other. And those are, and I can repeat them just to drive home the point of them. First, governance and planning, which was basically how, instead of having a full year plan, we're breaking down the horizons to four months and, and we're having a more, we're, instead of talking about what to do, we're talking about what kind of effect we want to achieve. So therefore, the individuals and the teams are allowed to make more tough decisions because they are no longer told what to do, but what effect to change. So the how and, and what is, uh, is uh, distributed to those. That's, the, uh, that's one piece of the puzzle, uh, governance and planning. Then you have the organizational structure. The organizational structure we had before was basically just the pyramid, the, the normal hierarchy structure that you have in a company. We went from having those project, uh, project organizational uh, setup to having the product team organization, basically tipping the pyramid on its on its high end, and then having those uh, the the pyramids as the competence groups or the chapters within the company, and then constructing product teams on the lateral aspect of of this matrix. So the product teams were cross functional and had the distributed mandate, and they were given a product ownership rather than a project. Because a project has a start and a finish, whereas a product has a start, but you take on the responsibility forever. 
So the product team lives with the product forever and ever and ever, which is uh, is, is inspired about, uh, of uh, digital production and so on. And then, of course, we have the third one, which is the way you're working one. And we're saying agile, but we're also allowing for other ways of working within the company. But we're asking those that, that want to move towards lean or a normal way of working. All right, fair enough. This is how you want to play it. Let's find the best way to apply that to your organization to make sure that that's really successful for you. But we ask of you to at least keep an open mind and be inspired by the agile. Because if you don't even look at it, if you're if you made up your mind beforehand, there's a large uh, chance uh, that you might not be open to understanding what the other departments that are going into Agile are doing. So then you're going to be left behind. You're not going to be, uh, be part of the of the entire transformation. So stay inspired by Agile, but choose whichever method you prefer. But make sure that you are have read up on the Agile parts of it. And the last pieces of the puzzle was the behavior and leadership. And that's actually the culture of this transformation. And in there, you find the five chosen behaviors that we talked about just now. So we realized early on that this is the true essence of our success in terms of our uh, agile transformation is to be successful within this piece of the puzzle. And the other three helps to move in the right direction for the fourth one, the behavior and leadership. But it's also there that we found one of the major mistakes that we did because we give, didn't give the middle management the attention that they required and needed for it to be successful in middle management in this new way of working. So therefore, we had to make some drastic changes to their setup and the design of their training as well to make them more adaptable to this uh, new way of working as well because they were the ones that procrastinated the most, had the most difficulties changing into this new way of working. Yeah, because they had, I guess they had to lose a lot. Maybe they have been climbing right. the ladder of the hierarchy and now all of a sudden there is no need for them maybe or, or their role is completely shifting. And that's kind of uncomfortable if you build your identity on, on your position maybe. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. You had the, the management, the top management team they want to go agile because they realize that this is the way for Ica to be adaptable to the market, right? So that's really important for them. And then you have the teams, and they are distributed all these responsibilities and the uh, the mandate to make the tough decisions. Then you have, in between the top management and those teams, you have the middle management that overnight becomes king over nothing. They have no uh, say in any matter. They have no, uh, because now the, the say belongs to the teams. So they need to find a new way to relate to the top management and the teams that is more par, uh, is more based on talking about what kind of effect we need to choose, uh, to change rather than what needs to be done. Because beforehand, they got that list that we used to work with, the 86 items on a list that they felt this is something that we need to do for the next 12 months. They were handed that as a middle management, and then they distributed that out to the team and said, deliver on this, deliver on this, and deliver on that. But now they need to convey the priorities and the effect that the management team feel are important for us to focus on. So they need to convey that to the teams and then trust the teams to take on that responsibility. And that change from being a person that sort of distributes items and and things to do to individuals, transfer from that to talk about effect. That is a huge leap mm. for a lot of individuals. And that, that is one of the main 
difficulties that we really saw uh, was hampering our success mm -hmm. when it came to our digital transformation. Okay, great. Thank you. That's super interesting that to to hear you. I wanted to ask you what is the biggest mistake or the and and yeah, I think you or, or the That's biggest the challenge that was the one. Yes, people listening to us are mostly people engaging in giant transformation or or in the middle of it, and they just maybe. They, they 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 need some ideas and inspiration. I think you gave a lot. But is there like a piece of advice from you being on the top of this for many years that you would like to, you can easily share to them? Right. Yes, of course. When I boil down my, my impressions and my experiences from this and the discussions that I've had with all these people within the company that has gone through all these tough changes, boils down to three core principles. The first principle is actually principles are better than processes. Because what we found was that when you have the normal organizational model that we have with the pyramid, then you have to have processes to see how the project moves through the organization. And those processes are designed into detail. So you know exactly when you handed the work and where you know exactly when you've done your stuff and you're handing it over to the other one. And it, you need to have those processes when you have that pyramid organization. When you topple that pyramid and you start working in product, product teams instead, there is no need for processes anymore. So then you need to change the essence of the processes into something else. And those are principles. And basically what we need to have is a set of principles which the, all the teams can share in and, and agree on. And then they know that if they need help from another team, they know what principles they should work by to get that dependency worked out. Okay. So the first one is, yeah, it principles rather than processes. The second one is, and I've mentioned this before, is distribute mandate to where the information lives. So make sure that the teams are empowered, that they have the mandate to make the tough decisions because they are closest to the reality. And the way you can be successful in that is to, first of all, tell them that they have that responsibility, but you also need to work with the teams so that you f see that they actually assume that responsibility. Because if they don't assume it, they're, they, they're just going to say, all right, so we have the mandate now, but we, don't, we still need guidance, and they're not going to take on the self-leadership level that they need to. So make sure that you work on both ends. You need to decouple yourself from the mandate as a leader, but you need to make sure that they assume the responsibility within the teams. And the last one is, and this is the most beautiful one, I think, having experience is absolutely beautiful. That's perfect. And that's really something that you need to have as an individual, as an organization, make sure that you learn from all the things that you've done and build your experience, but never lose your curiosity because if you're only experienced, but you're not curious, you're going to be very good at doing something that's no longer applicable. You need to always stay curious on what's happening around you in terms of ways of working, in terms of market changes, in terms of, of competitors' behaviors, and so on. So always stay curious. Excellent. Well, wow, wonderful. Very nice piece of advice to, to maybe end this conversation. I see the time is passing. Maybe we'd like to conclude and ask you, if, if you're okay with that, what I, li I like to ask my, my guest, which is, would you like to... Um, be uh, you alone with the audience and I will, I will remove my mic and remove my headset, cut my mic and remove my headset and, and there will be you alone with the people listening to, to us now and sharing whatever what you want to share to them. 
And these are people, these are leaders, these are change makers everywhere in the world. What would you like to share them? Are you are you up for it? And it could be like a say a moment sure. of silence, anything. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna cut my mic, and uh, maybe one you minute or something. All right. Yeah, sure, no problem. Well, to be perfectly honest, now we can speak the truth because Michael is not here anymore. When you're going through a transformational change, you need to understand one thing that's really interesting, and that is that you can never really have a change within an organization without constantly providing it with energy and motivation. We came across a law which states that evolutionary systems changes exponentially, whereas organizations that needs to adapt to those changes, changes logarithmically. Basically, what that means is that you get the hockey stick algorithm for how the evolutionary system is changing, but you don't get the same result from an organization that is changing. So you always need to make sure that you send in more motivation, more energy into those organizations, making sure that you constantly provide the organization, the individuals, the people in the organization, the energy to continue their their transformational change. Make sure yet that you don't stop changing, basically. Marvin, thank you so much. It was great having you. I love your energy. I love your experience. Each time I listen to you, I learn a lot. I want to say to you all the best uh, for the future. What can we uh, wish for you? I've mentioned the word curious many times today and just wish for me to always stay curious. Okay, that's, good. that's the one thing I really feel strongly about. Curiosity. We, were, we had a podcast about listening. I think listening with curiosity. I think it's, uh, yes, absolutely. Great. Look, that's thank beautiful. you. Thank you, Marvin. Uh, maybe uh, back in the, in the podcast, in, I don't know, a year or two, just to hear what happened in the meantime. Who knows? <laughs> the, Who knows the story of Ika and your story is very interesting. So thank you. And uh, dear audience, uh, I, I really hope this was inspiring for you today, the story of Marvin and Ika. I think there's a lot of learning there. Well, I wish you well. And I meet you in the next episode. Stay tuned. Bye.